Moncrief on News Talk. Welcome, Jonathan Burke Butler. Butler into the studio. For Tom, how are you? Tales from around the world. How are you, Jonathan? Um, we're starting in South Korea. And for those who are reading AI stories and thinking what lies next for us, for mankind, uh, this doesn't sound, this doesn't augur well. No, it doesn't. Uh, this is a story of a man in his 40s uh, who was working for a robotics company and um, he was sent to a vegetable distribution centre to examine a robot uh, which uh, simply took boxes of vegetables and put them on pallets or conveyor belts and it crushed him to death. Um, so he was unlucky on so many different levels. Originally, um, the robot was supposed to be examined on the 6th of November, but for some reason it got deferred to two days later, the 8th of November, and this guy was filling in for someone. He went to have a look at it to see if it was working. And uh, between the jigs and the reels, he he picked up a box, okay, for some inexplicable reason. And the robot, obviously, its job is to pick up boxes when it sees it. And so it identified the box, wasn't able to differentiate between the box and the human. And it went to grab the box. But of course, the human got in the way of its arms, picked him up and slammed him against the conveyor belt. And he died of his injuries later on in hospital. So it's caused a bit of consternation in uh, certain parts of right. South Korea, as you can um, imagine. Is, is, he the, is that the first death from... Um, no, it's not. Um, South Korea is the, has the highest d- density of robots in the world for amongst the workforce, right? So for there's 1,000 industrial robots per 10,000 employees, apparently, in South Korea, right? Three wow. times more than China, is would you believe. Is that one in ten? Uh, yes, I suppose it is. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it is. Yeah, one in ten would have been the easier way of putting it. But uh, it's an extraordinary amount uh, of robots, right? It is. And, and there's several reasons for that, you know, the you know, ageing population and also it's easier and it's cheaper. But there are problems that come with it. And to answer your question, it's not the first time that this has happened. So in March of this year, there was a, a worker who's seriously injured in an auto parts factory. Um, and then last year... Uh, a robot that was installed near Convelbelt fatally crushed a worker at a milk factory. So it's certainly not the first time that it's happened. These are industrial environments though, kind of. Well, they aren't if it's just packaging vegetables. That's not exactly building cars. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah, and you'd imagine that this guy was on his was, environments. Though. Y- yes, they are, you know, and but you'd imagine this guy was on his own. I don't think it was yeah. in a busy factory or anything. And the the authorities are at pains to point out that although it's a terrible tragedy, it was human error that caused this. Yeah, the fact that he picked up the box so close to the robot probably wasn't um, wasn't what he should have done. Right. Uh, they say a robot, and I did say AI, but it's not really AI, is No, it? It's, in a statement issued by the police, they basically said it wasn't an advanced artificial intelligence-powered robot, but a machine that simply picks up boxes and puts them on pallets, so it's not... Right, so the reality is, if it had a bit of AI, it might well have been able to True distinguish... True yeah, yeah, it could, it, um, you, you so, have a point there, absolutely. Right, so a yeah. bit more AI is the... Uh, God, one in a hundred all the same, and, and I, I'm amazed that the, the driving thing there is an ageing population. That's one of them, yeah, right, absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, the fact that it's uh, cheaper and uh, yeah. in the long run is probably a bigger, as big a factor yes, as well. Yes, of course, yeah. absolutely. Um, to Spain then, where... 
This is a strange story. The more I read this, the more I think, God, this looks like an unusual move. Yeah, this is, um, so you you might remember that there were elections back in Spain back in the summer of this year. Snap elections were called by the socialist uh, Prime Minister, Pedro Sanchez. I think he's been in Paris since around about 2016, 2017. And uh, he knew that his party wasn't particularly popular. So the thought was back then that he wasn't, that his party wasn't going to do well, but they did better than expected, right? It was thought that the the right-wing popular party might come into power. And indeed, the popular party did finish first, but they didn't have enough votes uh, together with the Vox party, or far-right party, to form a coalition. And so the socialists have come back in and they have cut a deal with Catalan separatists, right? Um, so with two Catalan separatist parties, um, and what they've decided to do here is offer them an amnesty from all of those uh, prosecutions, the prison terms and the other penalties that went along with that failed referendum that happened yeah. all those years ago. Do Which you remember? Which was very dramatic, 2016. Very dramatic, I remember it very well. Um, yeah, yeah. Catalan voted for independence, essentially. Yeah, well, they were, they were, they were stopped from doing it really, as far as I, I recall. But you, you might remember, so it was in October of 2017, I think it was, and you might recall that things got out of hand very quickly and the police were particularly violent. Yeah. Uh, I remember the scenes and there was quite a lot of shock right across Europe about it because, you know, police really did go too far uh, in, in, in putting the protesters down. Anyway, um, a lot of people were arrested and prosecuted and amongst them was the, the leader of uh, Together for Catalonia, Carlos Puigdemont, uh, who, of course, has spent the last six years in exile in Belgium. Now, it looks like he is going to come back into Spanish politics and right. he will be the head of one of these parties that is supporting um, the coalition uh, under the okay. socialist Literally leader. Literally a get-out-of-jail card. Yeah, yeah, to him. yeah, absolutely. And, and what's the reaction like in Spain? Because this goes to the central of... of the existence of Spain. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think in Madrid and and in in the more central locations, shall we say, are the ones that don't want to see the breakup of Spain. The reaction has been outrage. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not exaggerating when I say that, right? So there's been people out on the streets for the last 12, 11 or 12 nights. There was huge protests across the country yesterday, of course, in parts of Catalonia and indeed in the Basque country, Excuse me, this would be seen as being a positive move. Um, but uh, I think the reaction to it has been, it's a very divisive move. There's no yeah. doubt about so it. So the public rally and the Supreme Courts as well, I believe. Yeah, they're they're very, the courts are very, and police are very critical yeah. of it. Now, even though there is parts in this amnesty, of course, relating to police, because, you know, some of them for prosec- were prosecuted for being heavy handed. Yeah. So they will also get out of jail. But it's not, it's nothing compared to the 500 or over 500 people that were linked in some way to this referendum back in 2017. Uh, who are now going to be who are now going to be let out? Seems like an incredibly um, powerful thing for him to be able to do to, to sign off on to, in order to get it, but to stay in power. A very that's, high. That's a great point. And to be honest with you, Vox and the Popular Party are saying that it's probably not constitutional. They don't know if he can actually do it. Yeah. So it's probably going to be tested. Now he would argue, just to finish on this point, he would argue that. In the last number of years, he's he's been he's kind of placated and 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 met the independence movement halfway, and it seems that his efforts have actually worked because support for independence has uh, decreased yeah. significantly over the last number of years. So 
you know, there are those who are saying, well, maybe this is the way to go. But certainly this okay. move is just keeping right. them in power for now. Continue to watch this space. So if they want to drown their sorrows in wine, um, it's been, I can't get over this. It's been the worst year for wine production since 1961. Yeah, an excellent segue, I have to say that. Uh, brilliant segue <laughs> there. Yes, and particularly in Spain. Uh, yields are down by 14% in that particular country, 12% in Italy. And this is all due to the bad weather that's been happening. Now, this is from the International Organization of Vine and Wine, OIV, they're called. And they're saying that frost, heavy rainfall and drought has affected grape yields this year. So Right overall, around the globe. Right around the globe. So overall, it's down 7%, as I said, in Europe, 14% in Spain, 12% in Italy, France, Got away with it. They're kind of at parity with where they were last year. Chile has been hit by 20% reductions in yields and Australia by 25%. The only part of the world that seems to be doing okay is the United States, where production was up up by 12% on 2022. I wonder what they're doing over there. (laughs) Now, as as it happens, uh, global demand is also down. Yeah, and this is quite possibly a good thing when we take these two things together. So global demand is, is down because China... Uh, the economy there, as we all know, has slowed down. So the demand in that part of the world is down. And because production is going to be down as well, it probably won't make that much of a difference to the prices. So everybody will be okay. Uh, they just seem to go up and up. Uh, so wine prices, yeah, yeah. Well, I think <laughs> Ireland is a little bit of a, yeah. a, of a particular yeah. country. Just seems no matter what you hear, you go through all these stories, no matter, it just ends, prices continue to go up, no matter what's going on. Uh, now, grim, grim stuff from Sudan. Unfortunately, yeah, and it's not being covered for obvious reasons because there's other things so that are the focus of the world's attention. Uh, but we're looking at a full-scale war going on here, uh, really. It's been on the go since April of this year. Cut a long story short, you've got two um, military factions within that. Well, they weren't in a well, they were in a sort of transitional government, and they have disagreed now with each other. And of course, as uh, as always, um, the people who suffer the most are um, are civilians. Yeah. Okay. And just the other day, uh, there were reports coming out of Darfur. Here we go again with Darfur. Yeah of between 800 and 1,300 people being killed in a massacre uh, in a town there called Ardamata. And um, this is in addition to, to massacres that have already happened in this part of the world um, in Sudan over the last few months. So it's a terrible situation. Who are uh, these guys? The, the Rapid Support Forces yeah, are the people so the behind rap- a lot of it. Yeah, so the Rapid Support Forces are ex-Janjaweed, right? So you remember the Janjaweed? Yeah. These were the... Arab militias, basically, that were put together by, um, what was his name, Omar al-Bashir, the former president there. And uh, they're vicious, vicious people um, who who went into Darfur and basically killed black Africans, right? The Arab militias, I, I don't know yeah. if I said that. Basically, there's, there's long ethnic tensions that have been going on there for a long time. So RSF are ex-Janjaweed, uh, just in a different guise, but just as savage. They managed to get it into part of this transitional government when Omar al-Bashir was ousted back in 2019. Um, but as I said, they've split from the the, the Sudan right. army and now they're fighting against each other. But this ethnic cleansing God, element is coming back into it. God. Um, this story in Australia, I find fascinating. It's I've never it's heard good, anything like it. It's kind of like a positive it. story in is a it? way, isn't it? it, it it's, it the circumstances are terrible, but what they're doing, I suppose, is, is positive in a way. Um you know, it's, 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 it's like a country has made a will. Yeah, it is a little bit. I mean, it's terrible because 
it's as a result of climate change, right? Yeah, and this the, is, uh, what's the name of the country? Tuvalu. Tuvalu. Yeah, so Tuvalu is a, a small Pacific uh, island nation, right, with a series of atolls. Yeah. And um, basically they've done a deal, they're, they're suffering from climate change, right, the rise in sea, le- sea levels. Yeah. They've done a deal with Australia where Australia is going to allow up to 280 people per year to come into the country is going to give them visas, right? It's residency, they can study, they can work, they can live there, no problem. And so they're basically saying, you know, um, look, we realise that climate change is affecting your country. We're going to give you lots of money to help you with the circumstances around climate change. But in the meantime, I suppose you can start shifting your people over to us. And in the meantime, they have made... um this, they've changed its constitution yeah. to say that its statehood will remain in perpetuity even if the impacts of climate change mean that the country loses its physical territory. Yeah. And they're going to create a digital version of themselves. Yeah. To, oh, to preserve its history and its culture. Yeah, it's, it's tragic stuff. That is yeah. strange stuff. Now, while I didn't think it might be that good news, is that while they're doing that, China are doing something similar with the Solomon Islands. Well, right? so... So the first motive, okay, yeah. of Australia here yeah. was the the one with the nice red ribbon on it. We're yes. going to help you with climate change. Yeah. The second motive, the ulterior motive, is because the Chinese are moving into this neck of the woods, yeah. right? They did a deal earlier this year with the Solomon Islands to look after their security, right? So they gave them a bit of cash, right? Look after the security as well. The Australians had up until the earlier this year looked after the Solomon Islands policing and all that kind of yeah. thing. So they weren't happy, neither with the United States, neither with New Zealand. So now the, these islands that they used to look down their noses at before and didn't bother about really and took them for granted are all of a sudden, these islands now have leverage because yeah. they realise that with the Chinese moving into the neighbourhood, the Western allies, if we call them that, won't okay. be too happy. So they'll make deals with them. That's the ulterior motive you have to look at. Ah, It is, John. John, thank you very much for that. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.